Today, I wanna preach to you about how to get a breakthrough, how to get a breakthrough. Luke 18, verse one, are you there? So Jesus told his disciples this parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. And he said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. So this was like a rude judge. He wasn't kind. He didn't want to help anybody. But there was a widow in that town who kept coming. Everybody say, keep on coming. She just kept on coming to him with her plea. Grant me justice, she would cry, against my adversary. For some time, the judge refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps coming at me, she keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so she doesn't come and attack me. I just have this picture in my mind of the woman just running and like jumping and attacking this judge. He's got this mental image that this woman is not going to quit until she gets her breakthrough. So he said, I will give it to her. And the Lord said this. After this, he said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? That's you, church. You're chosen ones. God chose you before you chose him. God chose you. He believed in you before you believed in him. He loved you before you ever loved him. He's a good God. He's not a mean judge. He's a good God. And Jesus said, won't God show up on your behalf? And won't he answer those who cry out to him day and night? That's important. We're going to come back to that. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they will get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give somebody a hug. Tell them you're going to get a breakthrough. You're going to get a breakthrough, and you could be seated. You're going to get a breakthrough. I want to ask you today, what are you believing for? What are you believing for? Some of you already got your Christmas wish list. You're already writing down some things you're believing for. My kid, he's my, our kids, they're believing for like a skateboard, a bike. They got things they're believing for. I think the older we get, we stop believing for things. We stop dreaming for things. We stop contending for things. But I want to speak to a group of people today who have some things on their bucket list. They got some miracles they're in need of. They got some things they're asking God to show up for on their behalf. How many are believing for a miracle, a breakthrough, something beyond your own ability? Okay, by the end of this message, I'm believing for 100% of you to get ready for a breakthrough, to start standing for something. You know, this story really tells us not just a story of prayer, but a story of persistence. That this widow wouldn't quit. She wouldn't give up. She wouldn't take no for an answer. She just kept on coming back. It reminds me of this moment when I went to go and meet with this worship leader. And he was a very famous worship leader. He had written all these big songs. Churches all over the world sing his songs. Packing out stadiums in the United States, which is a big deal. Because you can pack out stadiums in other countries. Um, and, and you can do free concerts, get thousands of people to come. But in the U.S., sometimes we're just oversaturated with so much entertainment. But this man was packing out stadiums, and people were singing his songs. Millions of people knew who this guy was, and he came to Tulsa. And I had the chance to sit and talk with him for like 10 or 15 minutes. And I asked him this question. I said, how did you become successful as a songwriter, as, as a famous worship artist? How, how, like, how did you get here? And he laughed. He said, you know, a lot of people look at where I'm at today, and they think this is how it always was for me. He said, what they don't know is there was more than a decade that I was leading worship at a dead, dry, stale church. 
And he said, these people, they wouldn't sing, they wouldn't smile, they wouldn't lift their hands, they wouldn't clap. And he said, I felt like I was pounding the pavement. I felt like I was just a hammer and they were the concrete. And every week I would show up and I would put forth my best effort. But he said, I felt like I was just a hammer hitting the concrete. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he said, I felt like somewhere beneath five feet deep of concrete foundation, there was soil down there. He said, you couldn't tell it on the look of their faces. They looked angry. They looked mad. He said, but there I was, and I was passionate, and I just kept showing up. I said, why did you stay? He said, that's the thing. So many young people leave when things aren't easy because they think a breakthrough happens by luck. They think a breakthrough happens by chance. They think a breakthrough happens by connections or by charisma or by passion. But he said, Paul, the breakthrough happens when you just stick with it and you just show up week after week after week. He said, I know it's not sexy. It's not the Instagram generation. It's just persistence, just persistence. You just keep on knocking. And someday there's going to be a crack in the pavement. Someday there's going to be a crack in the concrete. I said, so when did it happen? He said, it happened around year seven. (laughs) I said, so seven years you were going through. He said, seven years, I wanted to quit every week. For seven years, I wanted to stop writing songs. I wanted to stop leading worship. I wanted to quit going to church. He said, I felt like no progress was happening. And I just heard God say, keep on hammering. Keep on hammering. Somebody say, it's hammer time. Come on, it's hammer time. Can't touch this. Come on, how many of y'all grew up with hammer? That's my generation right there. The rest of y'all are like boomers. <laughs> no, come on. But here's the point. He said, you got to keep hammering. You've got to stick with it. You got to be persistent. And I said, what happened on that seventh year? He said, there was, there was this moment where all of a sudden a crack happened. He said, all of a the sudden there was a few people. It was like they caught the fire. And he said, once the crack began to happen, it began to spread across the entire church. It's like the, the streets of Tulsa just cracks all through our concrete. Just slip, slip that under the mayor's office. No, he's doing a great job. The streets are great. Potholes are getting fixed. But the bottom line is this. He said, once the crack began, you couldn't stop it. Revival began to spread. Our church began to explode. And I wonder how many people quit before a breakthrough. How many people stop hammering right before the crack is about to happen? Like one thing this judge knew about this widow is that she wouldn't give up. And my question for you is, does the judge know that about you? Does the judge know that you won't give up? Does the judge know that you're desperate enough to stay long enough until he finally changes his heart? Because some of us are quitting when it gets tough. We're quitting on the fifth time around Jericho. Like, I wonder how many times Joshua felt like giving up, going, this looks foolish. This is dumb. We've been walking around Jericho day after day. Our wives keep asking us, what are you doing out there? There's not even a crack in the concrete. But God knew something that we get to see in hindsight. We get to read the story. We know something that they didn't know. They didn't have Bibles. We knew that after the seventh day, after the seventh march, there was about to be a crack in the concrete. Somebody say, keep on marching. Keep on knocking. Keep on praying. Keep on hammering. Keep on doing it. Persistence brings the breakthrough. Not talent. You could be talented and not see a breakthrough. Why? Because talent is never enough. You've got to stick with it. You've got to stick with something. Like, I think about some of the greatest athletes we see today that, that are famous for winning championships. 
It's because they stuck with it long enough. They just kept on going. They kept on going. So many stories today. I remember meeting Brian Houston, the pastor of Hillsong Church. He said, Paul, when I started preaching and pastoring in the 80s, nobody wanted to listen to me preach. In the 90s, nobody cared about my preaching. They all cared about Darlene Check, her singing. He said, people came to our church for the worship, not for me. You know, He's like, I always just felt like I was not good at this, that I should just quit, let someone else do it. But today, Brian Houston is reaching millions of people through his books, through his podcast, through what they're doing on Hillsong all over the world. What I'm saying is this, some of us are quitting because we're not seeing the breakthrough so fast. Joyce Meyer, again, she had a dream that one day she would sing, that she would not sing, she would preach and she would write books. But when she first started, people said, your voice doesn't even sound gentle and kind. You're not the right fit for this. You're not the right person for this. But she kept on pounding the pavement. She kept on preaching. She kept on delivering messages. And today, Joyce Myers has written over a hundred books, best-selling books, the battlefield of the mind, sold over millions of copies. What I'm saying is some of us, God's put a dream in your heart, but you've given up on it because you haven't seen a fast breakthrough. How do you get a breakthrough? You got to be persistent. Have you ever seen grass growing through the concrete? Have you ever seen like grass just or flowers or trees just bursting through? It's an anomaly. It doesn't make sense. How did it break through concrete? It's because of this. Seeds are alive and concrete is dead. And eventually that which is alive, if it stays alive long enough and keeps on pushing and keeps on pushing and keeps on pushing, it's going to break through the haters. It's going to break through the critics. It's going to outlast the people who said, you can't do that, Paul. You're just a little white boy that's not educated enough in a generation that doesn't care what you have to say. But I'm planted and I know planted things are eventually going to sprout and I'm sticking with it. Somebody's going to get a message today about your breakthrough. But you got to be persistent. You got to be persistent. You got to keep pounding. Job 14 verse 7 says a tree has hope. If it is cut down, it will sprout again and its new shoots will not fail. I remember in 2012, our church was going through a storm. Metaphorically, we were going through a tough season. And during that same time, a, a power surge storm hit our city. A power surge storm is, is like a tornado, except for instead of the wind going like this, it comes top down and it's so intense, like 80 mile an hour winds just pressing down, not from the west or the east or the north or the south. It's literally just top down. And it came right over 77th and Lewis. And I remember driving up the day after that storm and I was already feeling discouraged, defeated. We had, you know, I lost my dad and we were just pressing through. It was hard times. And I see this pine tree in front of our church that was once like 15, 16 feet tall, but the storm had chopped all the branches off. There was nothing green left on it and it had been broken down to three feet of a stump. And I was so discouraged and I called our landscaping guy here at the church. I said, you got to remove that stump. It looks ugly. We need things that are alive right now. Like, please just, we need life. And he was like, Paul, leave it in the ground. I said, why? He said, because there's hope for it. I said, no, 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 that, that, that thing will never grow again. He said, Paul, there's hope for it. And I felt like God was saying, this is a prophetic word for the church. This is a prophetic word for the Doherty's. This is a prophetic word for your life. Leave it in the ground. Some of us are uprooting 
because we don't see fast growth. We're uprooting because we don't see a quick breakthrough. We're uprooting because we've been so beaten down by the storms of life. But I've got a prophetic word for you today. Though a tree may be chopped down to the ground, Job said at the scent of water in verse nine, at the scent of water, that tree will bud again and put forth shoots like a plant at the scent of water, at the scent of the water of God's word, at the scent of the water of God's presence, at the scent of the water of God's promises, at the scent of walking into an atmosphere like victory, at the scent of a victory confession saying your best days are still in front of you. It will bud again. I came to encourage someone today. Some of you have been chopped down. Can I tell you that tree that I wanted to pull out that the landscaping guy said, just watch. It's been seven years since 2012. That tree, you could go outside today. It stands almost 40 feet tall. It's been growing at least four feet a year for these last seven years. That's incredible. That's unheard of. But we never would have seen its potential if we would have pulled it out too soon. God has so much more for you, but you've got to stick with it. You'll never discover all the potential God has for you if you quit knocking on the door. If you quit persisting in the thing he's called you to do. You've got to stick with it. And here's the other thing. That tree, the way that it was chopped, it should have grown out crooked. I said, let's, let's pull it out. It's going to grow out crooked because the way it was chopped, it's going to grow out sideways. He said, God has a way of straightening things out. That tree stands straight today. It's amazing. I say this today. God has a way of straightening things out in your marriage. God has a way of straightening things out in your son. God has a way of straightening things out in your business, in your finances, where you look hopeless, where your finances seem impossible. God says, I'm going to straighten some things out. And you know what? We got 50 days left in 2019. I believe by the end of this decade, before we step into 2020, God's about to give you a running start for a breakthrough in your life. If you receive it by faith, say amen. I came across a poem about grass growing through concrete, and it said this, God bless the grass that grows through the crack. They roll the concrete over it to try and keep it back. The concrete gets tired of what it has to do. It breaks and it buckles and the grass grows through. Yes, God bless the grass that breaks through cement. It's green and it's tender and it's easily bent. But after a while, it lifts up its head for the grass is living and the stone is dead. God bless the grass that's gentle and low. Its roots, they are deep and its will is to grow. And I love that poem so much that I wrote my own poem. And my poem is God bless the concrete. Because I want to bless the people who thought they could bury me. I want to say bless you to the pain that thought it could kill me. I want to bless the fertilizer that dumped all the junk on me. Because what you meant to push me down was the fuel that brought me back up. So here it goes. God bless the concrete that was laid over me. For it caused me to see I was born to break free. Yes, the concrete brought me to God on my knees. For power to rise above that which tried to bury me. See, when they rolled the stone over Jesus that day, Satan thought he won the battle in the grave. But there's nothing strong enough to bring our God to defeat. And he proved once and for all he's Lord over concrete. So if you feel like you're buried and concrete's been laid, remember Jesus' power when he rose up from the grave. When you see grass growing through, the concrete. Maybe God placed it as a reminder to say, you've got the victory. Come on, somebody. Some of you, there's concrete that's been laid. I'm going to poem my way through this. I'm going to persist 
on the thing. See, God's got some things lined up for me, for you, for our church that can only come by persistence. It, can, it can't come by luck. Oh, we're going to get lucky. Somebody's going to, oh, they're just, God's going, no, no. It won't come by luck. It won't come by charisma. It won't come through connections. It's simply going to come on year seven. It's simply going to come, Paul, if you stick with this. If you don't walk out when it's tough. If you don't refuse to get, let, let, some of us are so overcome by life that we're making all these excuses going, I should just quit. You know, when Billy Graham was first asked to preach, he said, I prepared four sermons. I got up to preach and I preached all four of them in less than 10 minutes. <laughs> he said, I was allotted a 40 minute slot. And he said, afterwards, I felt like the biggest failure. And he said, I just wanted to give up on preaching. I just thought I'm never going to be a good preacher. The world would have missed out on Billy Graham if he would have succumbed to that spirit of defeat. Some of you today, God's trying to charge you up saying, come on, come on, get your persistence back. Lean in. I want to give you four things to persist in. Number one, persist in prayer. Persist in prayer. That's what we see from this story. Jesus said you should always pray. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, always pray. You say, how can I always pray? Because prayer is about communion more than it is about vocalizing things. Prayer is about a God consciousness. I'm praying even when my mouth isn't open. Like prayer is not just, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Prayer is not just, Lord bless this McDonald's burger in Jesus' name. That's, that's not, like, that's one version of prayer. I don't know if he's going to bless the Big Mac, but he might bless the Popeye's chicken sandwich <laughs> or the Chick-fil-A sandwich. Um, but the point is this, prayer is about communion. It's about being aware God's working right now. God's, like even when I'm driving with my kids, God, I'm, I'm in communion with God, I'm in prayer with God. Someone asked me recently, Paul, how long is your prayer time? I said, it's, it's throughout the day. It's like when I'm working, when I'm riding my bike, when I'm, when I'm in a meeting, when I'm, because I'm aware, I'm going, God, what is your thoughts on this situation? How should I handle this person that I'm feeling disrespected by? Lord, how am I supposed to talk to this person that I know I'm supposed to reach out to? Lord, how do I handle this decision that we've got to make? If you'll be aware of God, you'll be in communion with God. Be persistent in prayer. And don't just pray your will, pray God's will. See, some of us are frustrated because we're not getting our prayers answered. It's because we're praying our will to be done. But if you'll shift your prayers and say, thy will be done. Like when I was in college, I was persisting to get this girl to like me. I asked her out seven times. She said no every single time. I kept persisting. And, and finally, I came to this moment where I literally prayed this prayer. I said, God, if it's not your will, take the feelings away. And I literally, like not audibly, but I just felt God say, it's not my will. And I was like, okay. And as I was writing in my journal, I just felt like God was saying, Paul, you're persisting on something that's not my will. That's why you're not seeing a breakthrough. It's because you're persisting for your will instead of my will. And so I changed my prayer. I said, Lord, I want your will to be done. That night I went into a piano room on our university. I just offered it up to God. I said, God, if this is from you, help take away these feelings for this girl. And sure enough, the next day, it was like the feelings went away. The girl started knocking on my door. She started saying, hey, can we go out now? I said, nope. <laughs> I said, God took the feelings away. But you know what? God began to prepare me for the next few years. God began to prepare my heart, prepare my wife's heart for the day that we would come together for the day that God had called me and Ashley. See, God wants to get you in alignment with his will, not you get him in alignment with your will. Prayer changes you more than it changes your circumstance. And I'm telling you, that's good news, because if you'll get changed, you'll start getting in alignment with God's will. And don't just pray the will of God, pray the word of God. 
Like I remember looking at my dad's Bible and his Bible was falling apart. Like it had to be taped together. There was words everywhere. And I'll tell you this, if your Bible's not falling apart, chances are your life is falling apart because you're not in your word. My dad was in the word, but he wasn't just reading the word. He was praying the word. I think sometimes we don't persist in prayer simply because we run out of conversation pieces. Like recently I was at an event and, um, and I only knew one person there. And so I was talking, I like being in those kind of situations where I'm socially stretched. So I'm trying to talk to this guy and he doesn't know me. I don't know him. We talk about the weather. Then we run out of conversation after that, start talking about politics. We run out of conversation about that. Finally, I was like, just looking at him. It was quiet. He was looking at me. I was like, see you later. <laughs> Squawking away is awkward. I think sometimes we're like that with God and God's like, you're running out of stuff to say because you're not praying the word of God. If you prayed the word of God, you'd never run out of stuff to talk about with God. Like you could pray through just the story of Abraham, pray through the story of Joseph. This is a prayer journal. This is a promise journal. God wants you to pray through Psalms. He wants you to pray through the gospels. He wants you to pray through Philippians. I'm telling you, you'll never run out of conversation when you start praying the word of God and praying for God's will to be done and praying persistently, praying audaciously. Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells a similar parable as the, as the parable of the persistent widow. He says this, um, suppose one of you has a friend who comes to you at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has just shown up at my house and I have no food for him. In other words, he's like, suppose one of your friends comes over and says, I wasn't prepared for this guest who came and I need you to fix what I didn't prepare for. You'd be kind of frustrated. Like, why are you knocking on my door at midnight? You know, and so he says this, he says, um, the friend would say, don't bother me. The door is already locked. And I want to tell you today, God has a way of breaking through locked doors. God has a way of opening things that seem closed. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. But will you be persistent enough to stand at the door and keep knocking until it's finally opened up? This man says, don't bother me. The door's locked. My kids and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. But I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, shameless audacity, he will surely get up. You want a breakthrough in your life? You've got to start asking with shameless audacity. You've got to get bold with God. Bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. I think some of us have stopped praying bold prayers. Like recently, I was interviewing the billionaire, Mark Green. He came to our church to speak to our business leaders, and I wanted him to just share with all the businessmen and women the secrets to success, and he said, it's just hard work, it's just hard work. He said, and um, he said, God started dropping in our hearts big vision that was bigger than us. And he said, the bigger the vision, the more you've got to trust in God, the more you've got to pray. And we discovered the more we leaned in and prayed and persisted, the more God began to bring into our laps. The more we gave away, the more God started blessing our company. The more we started translating Bibles in different languages and dreaming about reaching the nations, the more we got shameless in our audacity to believe that God could use a poor family from Oklahoma City, the more God began to bless us. Why? Because God honors bold prayers. And I wonder if some of us in the room have stopped asking for the big things. He said, well, our family wasn't born into wealth. My dad worked at a store and he had to work on Sundays and it was frustrating because he wanted to be at church and they would only let him off for a few hours. He'd go to church, but he had to be right back at work. And he said, my dad started making these wooden frames and then God started just blessing it. 
He said, our family went door to door and we would knock and people would buy our frames. He said, some people wouldn't. We had a lot of doors closed in our face, but my dad never quit. And he said, because he never quit today, Hobby Lobby is selling billions of dollars and giving billions of dollars away to people all over the world. Somebody say, don't quit. Don't quit. I want the keys to come out. So here's what Jesus says. He says, because of his shameless persistence, persistence in prayer, praying with fervency, praying with confidence, praying with shameless audacity. I remember when I was getting ready to propose to my girlfriend, Ashley, at the time, who would become my wife. She's still my girlfriend. But um, I had this dream. I didn't have a lot of money, but I had a dream. And I said to her dad, I said, can I ask your daughter to marry me? He said, are you going to provide for us? I said, I'm working on that, getting some money. He said, okay, you got to provide, you got to protect, you got to be a man. You know, all these things. I was like, okay, yes, sir, I can do that. And then I, I, I had this dream. I said, I want to propose to her in a real unique way. And I told my friends, I want to use a helicopter. And they were like, don't use a helicopter. Come on. Then we're going to have to one-up you, and that's just not going to be easy. And come on, dude, just ask her at Wendy's or McDonald's or something. But I was like, no, no, I got this dream for it. And they were like, you don't have access to a helicopter. You don't even know anyone with it. I know, I know I don't. So I started asking around. They said, yeah, you can rent a helicopter for 500 bucks. And I had this vision. I was like, I don't have 500 bucks, but I got a vision. Um, I had this vision of taking Ashley over Camp Victory where the cows are mooing and the Cimarron River is flowing and the catfish are jumping up and the sun is set. Come on, it's romantic out in Camp Victory, Manford, Oklahoma, it's country. I wanted to propose to her right there. And I shared the vision with someone who knew someone who knew someone who had a helicopter. And they were like, well, how much are you going to pay us? I said, love. <laughs> They're like, so, so that's all we get. I said, I'm going to give you a lot of love, a lot of encouragement, a lot of affirmation. Your best days are in front of you. <laughs> He's like, anything else? I was like, you can sit in the helicopter when I propose. He's like, come on, I got better things to do than that. I was like, well, would you do it? He said, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to help you. He's like, I don't know why. I was like, it's the favor of God. I'm walking in the fog, walking in the fog, baby. He's like, no, I, I think it's because of your shameless audacity to ask me for free. He's like, I've never had someone ask me. I've never had someone ask me for that. And I wonder if God's saying that sometimes. I've never had someone ask me for that. I've never had a guy like you believe for a dream like that. Oral Roberts, when he wrote his memoir, he said, I wasn't the first guy that dared to dream, to believe that God would build a Christian university in Oklahoma that would be spirit-filled, mission-minded, changing the world. He said, I was just the first one who said yes. He said, I had multiple guys come to me later on who said, God asked me to do that, but I didn't think I was big enough to do it, and I gave up on the dream. I didn't think I was educated. I didn't think I had what it took. And I wonder if God's saying, come on, ask me for the nations. Ask me for the big things. Ask with audacious, shameless persistence. Pray for justice. Pray for the thing that you've been believing for. I heard this story that when Napoleon Bonaparte was going around the world and he was conquering nations and he was taking over islands off of Greece and he was, you know, literally just persisting and taking over the world, he and his captain went to go and visit some troops on one of the areas where they had just taken ground. And one of the low-ranking soldiers reached out and grabbed Napoleon's hand. And he said, may I have the island of Malta? And the captain was furious. How dare this man ask for an entire island? He's a low-ranking soldier. But Napoleon did something crazy. He kept his hand there and he said, 
granted the island of Malta is yours and everybody was just confused the captain said why did you just give that man an entire island for himself Napoleon said because he had the audacity to ask me for it he had the audacity to ask me for it persistent in prayer number two persistent in proclamation You've got to persist in the proclamation of God's word. David said in Psalm 27, verse 13, I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Ezekiel 37, God said, prophesy to the valley. Prophesy to the dead, dry bones. Prophesy over America. Prophesy over your son. Prophesy over your wife. Prophesy over your husband. Prophesy over your finances. Prophesy over what looks dead in your life. And when you prophesy, prophesy the breath of God. Proclaim the word of God. See, some of us in the room, we're not speaking life. We're speaking death. So when we do the victory confession, you roll your eyes. Here goes the cheesy, positive confession again. Oh, my best days are right in front of me. What are we doing here? Just watch. Because someone's going to get their breakthrough right next to you. You just, you keep complaining. You keep saying, let's, let's stop being positive. It's not like we know what tomorrow holds. You're right. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And my Bible says he's taken me from glory to glory, from strength to strength, that he's not finished with me yet. Philippians 1, 6 says, my God who started this work in me will be faithful to complete it. He has hope in the future for me. So it is prophetic and it is scriptural. When I lift up somebody's hand and say, my best days and your best days are still in front of you. I know you walked through pain. I know you lost your dad. I know things haven't turned out for your good, but I'm telling you, God's not not done with you yet you got to get persistent in the proclamation you got to get persistent in the proclamation at the scent of water the tree will bud again number three persistent in praise persistent in praise if you pray through God will come through if you praise through God will come through Elijah was just a human just like you and me but when Elijah began to pray he tapped into the supernatural. Elijah was just like a stay-at-home mom, just like a stay-at-home dad, just like a working dad, just like a working mom, just like a college student believing for a scholarship. He was just like us. But because he refused to quit praying, the prayers of a fervent, effective, uh, a righteous man availeth much. In other words, you've got to stay with it. You've got to be persistent in your prayer. You've got to be persistent in your proclamation. And you've got to be persistent in your praise. The rain began to fall as Elijah began to pray, as he began to worship God. And sometimes you got to get your head down. Like Elijah, he would just keep his head down and he would just keep on worshiping on Mount Carmel. He said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Anything out there? The servant would say, no, no, Elijah, nothing's happening. I know you keep worshiping, you keep on praying, keep going to those church services, but nothing has changed. There's not a cloud in the sky. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you're working behind the scenes. Thank you, Jesus. I will remain confident in this. Lord, I'm not looking around me. I'm not looking at what other people are doing. I'm staying focused. Sometimes you got to shut the door on distractions and just get alone in your prayer closet and keep on hammering, keep on standing, keep on praying. You know, when Hannah was believing God to get pregnant, to have a baby, because in her days, value and worth was attached to being married and having children. And she felt worthless because she couldn't have kids. Doctors told her, you'll never have kids. Your womb is closed and closed doors don't open in this generation. But Hannah tapped in 
to the, to the architect of the universe. When the architect started designing our new building, one of the first things he asked me is, where should we put the doors, Paul? An architect is in charge of where the doors are supposed to be, how the doors are supposed to open. Where should, and when Hannah began to praise, she began to tap into the architect who knows how to open wombs that doctors said are closed. She began to, when Elijah began to worship, he began to praise. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to the Lord. You see anything yet? Nothing yet. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. See, every time we praise, we're putting cracks in the cement. You go, nothing's changing. Oh yeah, it is. Oh yeah, it is. God's breaking the fallow ground. He's breaking the concrete in your heart. He's breaking up the concrete over your husband's heart. He's breaking up the concrete of that porn addiction that's been on your son's mind. He's breaking up the concrete of what the banker said is about to happen in your life. I'm telling you, God's not finished with your story yet, but you gotta keep pounding the pavement. You gotta keep hammering with praise. As Hannah began to praise, God opened her womb and gave her a son named Samuel who became the anointed prophet that laid hands on David so that David could become the king of Israel. And through David's legacy, God brought his son Jesus, but it was all connected to Hannah worshiping with a closed door. You've got to praise even before you see a breakthrough. Somebody needs this on online. I just feel like this is not just for today. You want a breakthrough. Here's the answer. You've got to see it before you see it. And when I'm praying, I'm tapping into the vision of God. And when I'm praising, I'm tapping into the volume of God. So even though I hear crickets out here, I hear the sound of a rainstorm in here. I hear the sound of a, a, a baby crying, that God's about to bring a baby in, in a womb that's been locked up, in a door that's been closed. I see a building being built before it's built. As I'm praying, as I'm praising, I'm seeing new campuses. I'm seeing Victory Sepulpa and Victory Carmel and Victory Joplin and Victory Rock. I'm seeing all the new things. See, God has so much more. But God's saying, keep pounding. Keep pounding. Keep pounding. Oh, it feels like I'm just hitting concrete. Nothing's happening. You got to keep persisting. Persistent prayer, persistent proclamation, persistent praise. Habakkuk 3 says, even though the fig tree fails, and even though there's no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, even though they're not hiring, even though they keep promoting the other people, even, the, even though I'm not seeing my breakthrough, he says in verse 18, yet will I praise you, yet will I rejoice in you. Job said, even though I feel defeated and discouraged, I will bless the Lord at all times. You know, Job ended up with double for his trouble after all of the fertilizer that he walked through. God said, I'm gonna use that crap to make you grow into a large, strong, healthy tree that bears fruit even in your old age. Some of you have been walking through stuff and God says, don't you quit, don't you quit. Don't pull the roots out too soon. I've got new roots for you. I've got new leaves for you. I'm going to straighten things out where the enemy tried to stop you, where the enemy tried to break you. And here's the fourth point right here. Persist in your purpose. 
persist in your purpose. I remember reading this book by a man named Bob Goff. And we're going to invite him to our church. He's an incredible author, incredible preacher. But he said, uh, when I was young, I had a dream of being a law school student. He said, I took the LSAT and I failed miserably. And so I turned my application into several colleges and no one wanted me. They said, we don't accept anyone like you. If you fail the LSAT, you can't make it in our university. We're not going to, we're not going to let you come here. So he showed up at the university of his choice. He went to Pepperdine. He stood outside the Dean's office. He said, did you see my application? The Dean said, who are you? He said, I'm Bob Goff. He said, yeah, you failed the LSAT. You can't be accepted here. He said, all I'm asking for is just an opportunity. He said, I promise you someday you're going to be glad that I graduated from your university. <laughs> the Dean said, no, there's not a chance. We don't accept people like you. He said, I just, I know I'm supposed to be here. All you have to say is Bob, go buy your books. All you have to say is Bob, go buy your books. He said, I'm not going to say it. So Bob camped out there overnight for the next 14 days. He stood outside of the Dean's office and he said, all you have to say is Bob, go buy your books. All you have to say is, Bob, go buy your books. And the more that he hounded, the squeaky wheel gets the attention. The more that he just kept showing up, the more he kept begging, the more he kept pleading. Classes started. Bob stayed at the dean's office. Seven days into Now he's been there for 21 days. All you have to say is, Bob, go buy your books. Finally, after the seventh day of classes starting, 21 days there, as, he, as the dean was walking out of his office, Bob got ready to say something. And the dean said, Bob, Go buy your books. Bob got accepted into Pepperdine, graduated today. He's a professor at Pepperdine. He's written several books, an incredible Christian attorney. But here's what I'm saying. Some of us quit. We quit on the thing that we're in. We want God. Oh, God, answer my prayer. Do something. And God's going, but you got to persist in your purpose. You've got to obey. You've got to keep on showing up. You got to keep knocking. Are you guys with me right now? Can you hang for another five, 10 minutes? Go to Acts chapter 12. This is, this is the passage I really want to end on today. In Acts chapter 12, Herod had just got done arresting several Christians. Herod was a wicked king, and he persisted with his own agenda. You never win when you persist in your own agenda. you got to persist in the will of God for your life. Herod's jealousy led him to arrest all these Christians who were getting attention. And then in verse 2, it says he took James. This is the brother of John, but also the half-brother of Jesus. And he killed James. Now, the church was praying for James. And even though they were praying, it didn't work out. Have you ever prayed for something that didn't work out? And, and, and I've been there before. And it's hard, especially when it's in front of everyone. Like you're praying for your dad to get healed of cancer. And then, and, and you're almost tempted, like, should I keep praying now? And God's saying, don't let your experiences shape your theology. Let the secret things belong to the Lord, but you've got to keep believing he's still the healer. He's still the deliverer. He's still the provider. I know that marriage didn't work out, but God's not finished with you. God has restoration in your future. God has something greater in your future. Sometimes we put a period where God says, don't put a period there. That's just a comma. That's just a comma. Though the tree may die, it will rise again. Don't put a period where God puts a comma. So here the church kept praying. And then Herod seized Peter. And Peter was like the big guy. He was the pastor in the church. He preached at Pentecost. Thousands of people got saved. They tried to stop the message. He tried to take Peter out. And in verse 4, it says this. After arresting Peter, he put him in prison and he put 16 soldiers all around Peter. Four squads of four soldiers each. And Herod intended to bring him out for public trial. So Peter was kept in prison. But I love this in verse 5. But the church was earnestly praying 
for Peter, praying for Peter, praying for me. I've been feeling your prayers. How many of y'all have been praying for me and Ashley lately, praying for this church? I just want to say thank you because it's the, oftentimes the prayers behind the scenes that are opening the doors in front of everyone else. It's oftentimes the prayers behind the scenes that are bringing breakthroughs for people out on the stage. Like, let's not underestimate what God is doing behind the scenes through the church that's earnestly praying. They wouldn't quit. Even though it didn't work out for James, they said, we're going to keep praying for Peter. We can't lose Peter. We can't lose Peter. We can't lose another pastor. We can't lose him. We can't lose this guy. We got to keep praying for him. We got to keep praying for him. So watch what happens in verse six. The night before Herod was about to bring Peter to trial, Peter was sleeping. Peter was stressing. He was having panic attacks because he's about to stand in trial. He's about to go before a judge. Have you ever been to court before? It's a stressful thing. It's a, it's a weird situation. And you're trying to figure out who's for you and what's the agendas there. And yet here, Peter is right before his court date. The night before his court date, he's sleeping. Peter didn't used to be like this. He used to be the guy with panic attacks. He used to be the guy on the boat in Mark chapter four, screaming, Jesus, save us. We're going to die. And Jesus was sleeping and Peter was frantic. But when Peter learned the lesson to sleep during a storm that's beyond your own ability, when Peter learned the lesson to have the faith and the persistence that once you've done everything you know to do, sometimes you just need to go to sleep, get eight hours of rest, wake up the next day and keep pounding the pavement. When you've done everything you know to do, some of you just need to get some sleep tonight. Peter had seen his master sleep, so now he learned how to sleep. And so here he is, he's sleeping. The Bible says he was sleeping between two soldiers. Some of you are sleeping between two people, <laughs> sleeping between a situation, sleeping between a problem. You're sleeping and, and you're wondering, how's this going to work out? And he was bound with two chains. Y'all know the rapper Two Chains? He was in the prison with Peter that night. Sentry stood guard at the entrance. Here Peter's in an impossible situation, but the church is pounding. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell and he struck Peter on the side and he woke him up. Quick, get up. And when Peter got up, the chains fell off. 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 See, when you persist in your purpose, you start to see a breakthrough. The breakthrough is connected to your obedience. You won't see the chains fall off unless you get up. It didn't say the chains fell off and then Peter got up. It said, get up. And when he got up, the chains fell off. When you get up, the chains are gonna fall off. When you get up, the chains are gonna fall off. When you get up, when you start moving, even when you don't feel like it, the chains are gonna fall. And watch what happens. The angel said, put on your clothes and your sandals. And Peter did it. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Did I hurt any of you with the rocks? You guys okay? Okay, good. You got to be careful on the front row of victory. You never know what's going to come flying. And um, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. Have you ever been in a daze before? You're not sure if what's happening is actually happening. <laughs> he was so tired. He was like, is this a dream? I felt like God was saying, Paul, sometimes you just got to do it in a daze. Even when you're tired and weary and the baby's crying through the night and you're getting a little more sleep than your wife's getting and she's nursing the baby through the night and your kids are coming in at 3 a.m. waking you up and you got to preach the next morning 
and then you're leading meetings. Sometimes you just got to do it in a daze because God can still move even when you're sleepy. You don't have to have all the energy in the world for God to move through you. All you got to do is just keep persisting in your purpose. Some of you are in survival mode right now. You're raising toddlers. You're like, I'm just blessed that I made it to church this morning in one piece. How many are just glad that, that everyone in your family is still alive? Like you should have died a few times in the last few years. And sometimes you're just like, I, I feel like I'm in a daze and I feel ashamed for that because I feel like, you know, I'm supposed to have all this energy. You have all this energy on stage. You don't realize that I am actually doing this right now tired. <laughs> I'm actually doing this right now on little sleep. I'm actually in a daze right now, but God still uses you in a daze. God still moves through you in a daze. Someday you're going to look back and go, wow, look what God did. And we were tired. We weren't getting a lot of sleep, but God was moving through Peter even as he was sleepwalking. And when they walked the length of one, no, 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 look at this. Look at this. Verse 10. They passed the first and the second guards and they came to the iron gate leading to the city. The iron gate. Some of us are standing before a gate. We're standing before a door. I believe there's an iron gate to the city of Tulsa. God's trying to stir us up for the harvest we're called to reach. I believe there's an iron gate standing between you and your miracle, you and the breakthrough. Like for Moses, it was the Red Sea. And Moses wanted to turn around. He said, God, did you bring me this far for me to die right here? And God said, no, no, I intend to bring you through this thing. I intend to open. I'm going to make a way where there seems to be no way. I'm going to make streams in the desert. I'm going to make a, a highway. Your song, your melody is a highway. Your praise is about to pay, pave the way for what I'm about to do. And so here it says, it says, the door opened for them by itself. And they went right through it. And I was thinking about this. The door didn't open because of the angel. The door didn't open even because of Peter, because he was tired. The door opened. I think maybe the door opened because the church was praying. I think the church's prayers was like the hidden hinges. Every door has, has to have a hinge. And it's the hinge that makes the door swing open. And the hinge is an unseen part. It's like the camera guys. You don't see them, but they're bringing this message to millions of people online. It's like the people at the sound booth. You don't see them, but work unless we had a sound guy who was working behind. He's the hinge that keeps this. Mike, there's someone behind the scenes that's causing doors to open for you. There's a grandma that's praying for you. There's a church that's standing for you. There's a pastor who's pounding for you so that when you come to church, God has open doors and breakthroughs for you that you're just going to walk straight through. There's a father in heaven, Hebrews chapter 12. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, you don't see them. They're the invisible hinges but they're opening doors for you that no man can shut. And then Peter got, he came to himself and the angel left and said, you're on your own now. And Peter went to the house. He said, without a doubt, I know God did this. God brought me through this. He rescued me from Herod's clutches and everything that the haters wanted and hoped would happen to me. There's some people that are hoping for you to fall. They're hoping you don't make it. God's about to show the haters the glory of God. God's about to show the people who said, you'll never make it. You can't make it. You know, I was talking with the pastor this last week, Matthew Barnett. He said, when I went to Los Angeles to start the Dream Center and to be the pastor of Angeles Temple, where Amy Simple McPherson was, he said, nobody believed in me. Everybody left the church. I was discouraged. I was defeated. 
People said, you won't make it. You're a white boy and you got no uh, connection with anybody. Nobody's going to listen to you. There's no way you're going to make a difference here. And he said, I just heard God say, stick with it. Stick with it. He said, I just kept preaching. I was tired. I was weary. But he said, I stuck with it. He said, here we are 20 plus years later and we've outlasted the drug dealers. We've outlasted the bars. We've outlasted the strip clubs. We've outlasted the pimps. We've outlasted the, the haters, the critics who said I could never make it. Now thousands of people are getting saved, but you got to persist. I remember reading this book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Simbala. Jim said, when I started pastoring Brooklyn Tabernacle, there was 50 people in the church. He said, after a few months, it was down to five people. <laughs> he said, I told my wife I want to quit. She said, Jim, stick with it. Keep going. Thank God for the wives that said, keep going, Paul. Keep going. Don't you worry. God's working behind the scenes. Keep pounding the concrete. It's hammer time. Keep hammering that thing that seems impossible. So Jim said, one Wednesday night, I got to church and there was five people there. He said, I wept. I couldn't even preach. He said, I just sat on the stage and he said, I just cried. Oh God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. When you get down to your wits end, when you get down to your bottom, sometimes you got to break down in order to break through. Sometimes you got to get down to the bottom and say, I can't do this on my own. God, I need your help. Raising these kids, I need your help. God, being who you've called me to be, I need your help with the dreams that you put in my heart. And God says, I can work with a broken man. I can work with someone who's surrendered. I can work with someone who knows they need my help. He said, when I began to pray, something broke in Brooklyn Tabernacle. He said, my wife started singing these songs. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. We started singing these songs and then people wanted to hear our choir. And then the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir just began recording albums. Thousands of people started getting saved. He said, it never would have happened if I didn't persist with the purpose, persistent prayer, persistent proclamation, persistent praise, persist in your purpose. Then Peter was standing at the door. He came to the house and he began to knock on the door. He's knocking on the door. Verse 13. As he's knocking on the door, Rhoda comes to the door. She sees it's Peter and she slams the door in his face. Peter's here. She was so excited. She didn't even open the door for him. She just left him outside. He's still knocking. They said, you're out of your mind. Somebody said, you're out of your mind. That's good. People tell me I'm out of my mind. I need to get out of my mind. I need to get out of my mind of fear and into a mind of Christ. I need to get out of my mind of defeat and into a mind of victory. I hope I'm out of my mind. I need to get out of my mind of assumptions, drawing thought bubbles over everybody's head, thinking people are against me. I need to tap into recognizing there's people for me. There's more for me than those who are. I need to get out of my. How many of y'all need to get out of your mind a little bit? Come on. The enemy's been messing with your mind. And so they said, open it up, open it up. And Peter came in. It was a breakthrough for the church. And I saw this karate video of this kid who just wouldn't give up. He wouldn't quit. And I thought, you know, I think I'm going to show the church this week a karate move today. I need that track. You got a, you got a karate track for me? I need a beat. Church, I'm about to do something I've never done before here. This is for you. And as I get ready to break these bricks, I want you to see your situation being broken. Are y'all ready, church? Come on. I can't, I can't hear you. Are y'all ready for this? It's about to get crazy.
to music. <laughs> I. Y'all are like, what is happening right now? I'll tell you what's happening right now. Victory's happening right now. We're going to a new level. I want you to stand up on your feet all over this place. You know, I think sometimes we're afraid to try things. I was kind of afraid to try that. I was like, what if that, what if I fail miserably? And I got my kids in here, but I wanted them to know if daddy can break things, they can break things. If daddy can lift his hands, even when he's tired, they can. If daddy can break an addiction, they can break an addiction. See, what we do today is not just for us, it's for the next generation. If daddy can get free from this, they can be free from this. If daddy can persist and see a breakthrough, I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. See, I think some of us in the room, we've got to get that tenacity back. I hear God saying, come on, see the victory. Break through those things that have been holding you. Break through the complacency. Break through the feelings of discouragement. Break through the feelings of, of defeat. Break through those feelings of I'm not qualified. Break through those things. There's lies of the enemy that need to be broken off your mind. I sense in the, in the room today, some of you have accepted a lie. A lie from the enemy. A lie of depression. A lie of hopelessness. A lie of things won't get better. A lie of if they do get better, it's going to be 50 years from now. And I hear God saying, I'm going to bring justice to the widow who keeps knocking. I'm going to bring justice to the Peter who just stays at the door and just keeps on persisting, keeps on knocking, just persist. I'm going to bring about a breakthrough for the man who's desperate enough to stick with it, for the woman who's desperate enough to not quit, who's desperate enough to pray shameless audacity prayers, bold enough. Listen, God honors bold prayers. And I want to pray for everyone here today who has a breakthrough, needs a breakthrough in your life. How many of y'all need a breakthrough? Raise your hand. You need a breakthrough. Yeah, I was preaching to you. If you need a breakthrough, I want you to just leave your seat. This is the concrete. I want you to just come down. You're going to pound the concrete this weekend. You're going to take a step of faith and say, I am going to see a victory in my marriage. I'm going to see a victory in my mind as a single. I'm going to see a victory over this problem, this addiction, this habit. I'm going to see victory over loneliness, over fear of the future. I'm going to stop living in discouragement, negativity, cynicism, doubt, questioning God, questioning if God hears my prayers. I'm I'm going to press in. I'm going to persist for a breakthrough. I'm going to start stretching my faith again. Yeah, let's sing this song. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to the Lord. Down at this altar, just take a moment. Lift your hands up to God. I'm going to see a Brandon, can you just hit that drum? Yeah. Just keep hitting it. Yeah. Just boom, boom, boom. You don't know this. Brandon's brother passed away two months ago. But he's still pounding. Sometimes a breakthrough comes after a heartbreak. Sometimes you go through something that doesn't make any sense to you. Why did that happen? But faith is not getting everything your way. Faith is saying, I know we lost James, but we're going to pray for Peter. I know it didn't work out the last, but we're going to keep pounding. 
You say, that doesn't make sense, Paul. It's not fair. But you've got to keep standing. You've got to keep believing. What are the options? We could bow down in discouragement. We could live depressed. But can I tell you something? There's another drum going on in heaven right now. As you're hitting that drum, I can hear his brother Darren up in heaven. He's saying, come on, Brandon. I can hear my dad up in heaven with, Brand with Darren. And they're cheering you and me on. They're saying, come on, Paul. Come on, Brandon. Don't you quit. The angels in heaven, they stand around the throne and it's loud. Some of us complain about the volume at church. It's louder in heaven, my friends. It's louder in heaven. There's drummers up there saying, keep pounding. On Monday, wake up and pound. On Tuesday, wake up and pray. On Wednesday, wake up and pray. On Thursday, wake up and praise. Get a song in your heart. My weapon is a melody. I'm going to raise a hallelujah in the middle of discouragement, in the middle of sadness, in the middle of depression. I'm going to sing a song even when I don't feel like it, when it's dark and when I'm weary and when I'm all by myself. I'm going to keep pounding. I'm going to keep pounding. I'm going to keep praying. You say, but what happens? I'll tell you. God begins to break off the depression. It's, it's persistence. Persistence brings the breakthrough. It's not feelings that bring the breakthrough. It's persistence. You got to do it when you don't feel like it. Feelings are an illusion. I didn't feel like coming to church, but I came. I didn't feel like breaking bricks, but I did it. I don't always feel like doing the, the right thing, but when I do it, I'm so glad I do. You gotta press past the feelings. You gotta press past the facts. Even facts are illusions at times. The facts are you can't have kids, but I'm so glad that God's word has promises that you can circle, 3,000 promises. And the same promise he gave to Abraham and Sarah, he wants to give to you. God has, he might have spiritual kids for you. He might have foster kids for you. He might have some kids you're called to adopt in this year. What I'm trying to say is this, don't let go of the dreams that God's putting on. Don't let go of the choice to wake up every day and keep pounding, keep praying, keep standing. Lord, I just pray right now for every person in the room. I feel to pray for parents. I pray for moms and dads in the room. Parents who have felt like giving up. Parents who have felt like stopping on their prayers. And I pray for a resurgence, God, of, of hope, a resurgence of faith. God, that they would not let past experiences sink their faith. That they would not let what they've walked through cause them to, to stop dreaming big or start thinking small. But God, they would put their faith back in you, get their hopes up again. Lord, that you're the God of miracles that you're the father God of light you're the father of love and God you're driving out the spirit of hopelessness you're driving out those lies of the enemy that have been planted in the concrete God you're breaking it off of our hearts just say this with me say Jesus I'm all yours I surrender to you thank you God in advance for the breakthrough Lord I thank you that the breakthrough is coming and I refuse to quit. I'm going to persist in prayer, in praise, in proclamation, and in my purpose. I'm staying planted. I'm going to obey. I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to see a victory. My best days are not behind me. They're right in front of me. And I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. 
If you believe it, say amen and amen. I love you, church. God bless you. You're dismissed.